Hey, 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 welcome to the Cheston Podcast. How's everyone doing out there? I'm doing great. Uh, the holidays is coming up, Thanksgiving. I cannot wait. I have some very special episodes coming up with special guests when I do my traveling and stuff. Um, it's really freaking freezing out here. I can't believe how cold it's going to be this freaking winter. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd rather take the, the cold than the heat. I hate summer out here in uh, Dallas. It's just sticky, icky, Ugh. especially last summer was horrible. It was just so freaking hot, but um, it's really cold out here. It's definitely going to, I, I have a feeling it's going to snow. I, I like fingers crossed that, you know, maybe we could stay clear of that. But from the previous two years, we have had snow out here. So I'm, I won't be shocked if it does fall down. But I'm just freaking excited to just probably get, you know, for the holidays, get out of town Go see my family, you know, go back to Vegas, go back to Phoenix, you know, the West Coast. I'm a West Coast boy. So, you know, I'm just really excited about that. But we're going to go ahead and just get into these hot topics because I know you guys don't have a lot of time. You're probably like, okay, can you get to what's been going on, you know, the previous week? Okay, so let's just go ahead and get into it, okay? So November 7th through November 13th is the week we're going over. Um, So Variety reports Netflix's uh, Monster has been renewed for season two and three as an anthology series. Okay, Um, the two new installments will each focus on, quote unquote, other monstrous figures who have impacted society. Season one of Monster was a massive success for Netflix. You know, per Netflix, it is the second most popular English TV season ever on that platform so as you can see they struck gold with this Dahmer series regardless of the backlash that they received I I, honestly I'm not even gonna lie to you I mean I get it broke records and a lot of people did see it but I from my personal standpoint and talking to people about it and you know having discussions about it or people asking me have I seen it like majority of the people were like I don't you know I didn't like it I couldn't finish the first episode it was just too much I did watch it. I watched it all the way through. Um, one thing about me, you, since this is my podcast, I might as well tell you guys, you know, a little, you got to get to know me. You got to get to know the host. So I, I got to start doing that more often. I haven't done that in the previous episodes. And I'm realizing, like, you probably like, who is this guy talking to me? All he talks about is hot topics. I don't even know what's, what he's about. Who is he? So, okay. So like I was saying before, one thing about me is that I love documentaries. I love biographies. I love things. I love watching stuff where um, you're, you're looking at history. Basically, it's like documented, like it's a true story. I love true stories. I always feel like um, you can go back to the past and kind of. Um, there's always going to be a connection. I, I'm, I'm a big believer for this is me. This uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not, this is my 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 thought process. This is how I am as a person. I'm a big believer in you know things that you know. Um, uh, what am I trying to say? Um, what, I'm, um, what I'm trying to say is, is like, um, history repeats itself. There you go. History repeats itself. So I feel like when I'm watching old things or true stories, bi- biographies, documentaries, whatever, I feel like I'm not saying like I can connect whatever I'm watching to my situation or anything like that. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying like I can see especially if if it is a connection to my situation or if I do see myself, you know, going through something similar to what I'm watching or, you know, just picturing myself going through it, I can, you know, kind of see how, I don't know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) 
<laughs> I honestly don't know what I'm trying to say. I guess what I'm trying to say is, is like, I feel like there's a connection. Whenever I'm watching something old, especially with history, I feel like there's a connection. Like I said before, history repeats itself. I'm definitely a firm believer of that. So I just feel like if I'm watching something that's old, it's it's going to be like some senseless knowledge in the back of my head that one day, if I ever do go through a similar, similar situation, I can be like, oh my God, I watched that biography or that documentary and this is what that person did. I, I don't know why I think like that. Scratch that. <laughs> but anyways, I just think it's crazy that they're going to go ahead and continue on with this anthology series, but I get it. People want to see this, this, these stories. Um, I honestly believe that they're going to do the um, John Gacy, uh, he, John William Gacy. I think, I think that's his name. I, uh, oh my God, I got to look this up because I'm just talking here. I have to say, um, okay, John Wayne Gacy. Okay, I had his first and last name right, but the middle name. Okay, so John Wayne Gacy. I think that's going to be the next anthology series. If you do not know who that is. There is a real life documentary on Netflix. The action, you know, there's like a, a a documentary where you know you see the real killer, you see what he really did. But I do believe that's going to be one of the anthologies because that story is shocking. I don't want to get into it because I will be here all day explaining that that story to you. But the basis of it is that um, this dude, he was like he he um, was basically he I want I don't want to say well known, but he in his community where he lived he lived in the midwest so i'm gonna say where hold on okay so chicago illinois no yeah well I illinois any basically in illinois is where you know he you know is, is from and he basically got in on um good with the republican party so he was kind of um known in the community you know, people knew that he was somebody you could go to that wanted to help people get back on their feet. Um, it's one of the things he was doing. And he also liked to dress up like a, a clown. Sorry, clown. It's very creepy. But um, he ended up killing like over 33, 35, 30 to, 33 to 35 like men. He just ended up killing them. And... Um, it's it's a long like if 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 you that's who I believe the next anthology series um, season is going to be about one of them, um, and and there's so many other you know serial killers in history so I'm sure I can name some but I don't know for sure if they're going to get the season two season three but I have a feeling one of them is going to be John Wayne Gacy definitely but um, you know Netflix all these streamers. Um, these platforms, these streamers, HBO Max, Netflix, Hulu, like, like they're all trying to find something that will become a mega hit. And then from there, they're going to branch off of it. You've seen what they did with uh, Game of Thrones. Big, massive hit. Over like 20 million people watched this season, you know, like it was a big hit and they don't want to let that go. OK, so what they're doing now, they're branching off you know, stories from it. Like now we have House of Dragon and then there's about to be another series that's about to come out. You know, I heard that they're they're going to do a prequel uh, to Game of Thrones. That's what I'm hearing with Jon Snow. So it's like once they get this little gold, this gold nugget, they want to multiply that, that gold nugget. They want to make more of it. And as far as the, you know, Game of Thrones and House of Dragons, that, that is doing very well. As you know, House of Dragon has been renewed for a second season. So I, you know, that I mean, I think Game of Thrones is just a fin just 
such a fantastic story that you can really tell that story in so many different ways in so many different tales because it's like it's kind of never ending you know it's a long bloodline of people okay and why am i getting into house of dragon and game of thrones okay so anyways like i was saying monster has become an anthology series for netflix they're going to be doing season after season of the serial killers that we know in history so just giving you guys a heads up. If you were if you were tired of the Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, the Dahmer series and you wanted it off, well, guess what? Here comes a season two and a season three. And I'm sure those seasons are going to do well and they're going to get renewed and they're going to continue going down the seasons. So, um, I, oh my God. It's like, I get how, you know, family is hurt that, you know, that it's being shown again. And it's like, how many, you know, versions of the story do you have to make? I get that. I completely understand that. You do not want to see a loved one getting killed, you know, over and over again in different shows and different TV, you know, in different movies. Um, but to play devil's advocate, it is history. You know, it's not like we're it's making up a story. It's like, it, it's, it's real facts. It's real things that happen. And like anything in American history that's in a book, it's going to be there. It's tan like you can actually read up on it. You can, especially with the internet, you can look up on it. You can search it. I, like I don't think the Defrey, the, the Defrey. Why did I put the D in front of the instead of the J? But anyways, okay. I don't think the Jeffrey Dahmer story is going to ever die. I think people are going to always have some weird. I don't want to say fascination, but some kind of. Um, uh, they're going to come across the story and be like, oh, my God, what well, are you serious? And they want to hear like what actually happened. And I think, you know, it, it's never going to stop. Just like, you know, like they're like I said, they're going to continue with season two and season three of this anthology series. So we're going to be seeing many more um, real stories and real and true events of people, you know, getting murdered by these serial killers. But anyways, continuing on. Millie Bobby Brown reveals to Drew Barrymore that playing Britney Spears is on her bucket list. Okay, so here's what she said to her, quote unquote. I want to play a real person. And she's talking about Britney Spears. And she says, her story resonates with me. Just growing up in the public eye, watching her videos, watching her interviews when she was younger. I don't know. But her, uh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Okay, so she said, I don't know her, but... When I look at the pictures of her, I feel like that I could tell her story in the right way and hers only. Okay. Um, I think that's flattering that Millie Bobby Brown wants to play her. That's the girl that plays Eleven in the mega popular uh, Stranger Things. Um, Elle for short. You know, she's the bald little girl. She's not bald anymore. Well, I don't know. The last season she was bald. Okay. But... um. I think uh, it's flattering that she wants to play Britney Spears, but I honestly think that Britney Spears does not want any type of uh, story done on her anymore or biography. Um, she's not really too fond of the documentaries. I'm getting into that later. But before I get into that, Britney Spears, she, you know, she sort of kind of uh, responded to hearing about Millie Bobby Brown wanting to play her. So on her Instagram post, she wrote, um, this is quote unquote. She says, I hear about people wanting to do movies about my life. Dude, I'm not dead. So there you go. Britney Spears is basically not having it. I think she's tired of people telling her story. I think she really wants to tell her story herself, which is such a sad way. Um, as a fellow Sagittarius, I can tell you we don't like people speaking for us or t t saying like, we 
I just know for a fact she wants to tell the story herself. But continuing on Britney, she also called out previous documentaries, like I said earlier, that came out last year that were about her, basically. So she says the best part of the documentary that she watched, um, she's referring to the one that was on Hulu, um, the New York Times, uh, Framing Britney, and uh, I don't know, not the Spears versus Spears. I think that's Netflix. But the frame and Britney, that's the one she's referring to. And in the documentary, um, she said the best part of that documentary is when her old assistant, which is Fifi, Felicia. How I know this is because I'm the biggest Britney Spears fan. I've been following her since 1999 when she first debuted. So I know everything about Britney Jean Spears. <laughs> okay, so um, continuing on. So she said that. Her assistant talked about how she went through the neighborhood passing out $100 bills when she first came out. I remember that part. I remember she was saying how sweet it was of Britney, just basically telling a sweet story about Britney. But Britney, um, on her Instagram, she posted, she says that that was a lie. And why would she make up something like that? Okay. So then she continues on to say that um, people are doing the trashiest documentary she's ever seen and then saying it's to help her. She doesn't think they, they help her. That's her honest opinion. And she said that um, those documentaries, they were trash and nothing more than trash. So she's not having it. Like She feels like these documentaries are not um, helping her. I, I think for her having to relive, because um, Britney got it bad. And nobody, nobody wants to admit that. That's the sad part. Britney used to get, before the Me Too movement, Britney used to get it bad. She used to get it bad in the early 2000s. She was the joke. Everybody's joke. Everybody had a slut-shaming joke about her. It was just bad. Like, she used to get it so bad. And I think replaying those clips where she had to live through that stuff and those horrible interviews. Oh, my God. She did so many bad interviews where the interviewer was, like, trying to make her feel guilty for just being a performer, basically it was just it was crazy the, the the craziest one for me was um diane sawyer the, that's her name diane sawyer i think that's her the one the one that she also did um the britney i mean not the the whitney houston whack is crack i mean crack is whack interview yeah that's her diane sawyer diane sawyer she did an interview with britney spears and she was like slamming like she was just like like digging into Britney, like just, I think, honestly, what it was coming off was she wanted to make her cry. She was trying to get her cry for, you know, TV. That, that's what it came off as. And of course, Britney did break down. You know, she told him, you know, cut the camera, stop. You know, she did, she did break. I do remember that interview, but Britney was like, she was going toe to toe with her. I do remember that interview. She was like going back and forth. Like, Diana Sawyer was talking about the way she dresses and, you know, how revealing it is. And then, you know, Britney Spears interrupts her and she's like, well, you know, you, you know, Jennifer Lopez just posed for a magazine very prov provocatively. Kate Hudson just, you know, posed nude on a, a magazine. Christina Aguilera is also posing nude. But for re for some reason, when I'm doing it, you know, you guys are only pointing out which was true at the time. Like she used to get it bad. And and. I don't know why. Looking back, I'm like, I, I don't know why. Because there were so many other people doing so many other crazy things. I think what it was was that people, when she debuted, she was so young and innocent. And I think 
people just seeing her progress from that because it seemed like every year Britney Spears was like doing something different or going in a more um, adult, more mature, but still sexy route. You know, if you get what I'm saying, like, you know, but I feel like Britney, I mean, not Britney Spears. I feel like Christina Aguilera's was more shocking. The whole, she went from genie in a bottle to stripped from album one to two. I feel like with Britney Spears, you got a little bit of, of a progression because she was putting out an album like, you know, every year at that time. But Chris Angelera, she like released her album in 2000. Her second album didn't come out until like, well, 2002. That, that's fair because I was used to Britney Spears. Britney Spears came out with an album in 1999, 2002. They were working her. Oh, yes, baby. She was working like a horse. Yes. At that time, that's when she was on, you know. That record company was making her push out them albums because, you know, what people don't realize, Britney Spears' second album, Oops, I Did It Again, it sold 1.3 million physical copies. This is before streaming. This is when you actually had to go to the, to, to the you know, the record store and buy the actual CD. She sold 1.3 million copies in the first week. She broke the Nielsen uh, record. She The Nielsen record, you know, the, the album sales record. She broke it. And... Um, at that time, she was only like 17, 18, which is crazy to me, looking back. Looking, you know, when, because I was, a, you know, I was like, when Britney Spears came out, I was like 10, 10, 11, probably, 10, 11, or 12, you know? So looking back at it and realizing how young she was, to have that much power and stardom, it's, it's, it's kind of like crazy. But anyways, you know... Like, it makes me realize that American, you know, American pop culture, American culture, you know, paparazzi media, they've always been obsessed with Britney Spears. Even to this day, there's an obsession with her. So it's just, anyways, I just feel like her watching those clips, it makes her feel like, it takes her back to those to those moments where she felt like, you know, people were beating up on her for, for honestly just being herself. She wasn't doing anything wrong. She was just showing her stomach off and people, or she, you know, I mean, Britney Spears has done like some risque photo shoots, but nothing too, too, like compared to today, nothing, it's nothing compared to today. That's all I'm going to say. But anyways, continuing on with what she was saying, like she was saying before, she feels like, you know, the documentaries are trash and nothing more but trash. Um, yeah, nothing more than trash. Um, she says every person who sat there you know, in the documentaries for the interviews, um, knew what was going on behind the scenes, okay? Or if they did not know, they could have found out where they were keeping her. Now, I, I have no idea, like, when she says this, they were keeping her, it makes it sound like she was being held captive. She did say that in her statement, that she was held against her will, you know, during this conservatorship. Like, if she wanted to go outside, there would be a security guard, a big dude that would not let her you know leave the room like basically you know restrain her from leaving so um it's really sad it's really sad but anyways i'm gonna continue on with what she was saying um she said these people need to realize that then she needed real people to go to the cops um she says her quote-unquote friends Wait to speak in trash documentaries. Where was the passion to help her when she called them when she was in that place, when she was being held captive? So it's it's deeper. It, this I feel like we're I feel like 
it's it's way bigger like and it has it still hasn't been uncovered like we're 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 just like get, grabbing threads of it you know what i'm saying it, like there's so much more to uncover about what was going on with Britney Spears' situation for over 13 years. Um, a lot of people behind the scenes in the music industry, from what I hear, allegedly knew what was going on to her. But, you know, it was not their situation, so they weren't stepping in to help her. I mean, that's that's what, you know, that's what... Um, is, you know, what's been said behind the scenes from what I've heard. Okay, so she says that she misses the love of people. She misses feeling accepted and not being bullied or scared of the people she would literally, literally die for. So right now, if you guys do not know, Britney Spears is kind of at odds with everybody. That's blood to her. She's at odds with her, her kids. And that's because of her, you know, ex-husband slash baby daddy, Kevin Federline. He's, you know... He's realizing what people, you know, I'm, well, let me put allegedly in front of it because, you know, but okay. So this is, he's realizing that his kids are about to be 18. Mind you, he has not had no job since he's met Britney Spears. He's been on, you know, um, he's been getting, you know, payments, child support payments from her for their kids, for the two boys. So he's been living off of that, which is like thousands and thousands of dollars, you know? So they're about to both be 18, you know, pretty soon. So that's why they're doing these interviews, smearing her. You know, it's just, she's right now not in a good place with, you know, blood relatives. You know, um, only people she can kind of depend on right now is her awesome attorney, Matthew Rosengard. He's phenomenal. I love him. And um, her husband, Sam. Um those are really the only two people she can trust and um, know will respect her and not mistreat her. Like, uh, she she feels her family, her mom, dad, brother, sister did, which is, I mean, it's documented. And then on top of that, um, her two boys, she feels, which, I mean, if you guys seen the videos, Britney Spears wasn't doing anything wrong to them boys. And they felt... And it's not even their fault. I'm not even going to blame them. It's, it's you know, Kevin Federline felt like it was good enough footage to, you know, release out there and kind of, you know, stay, you know, you know, make it seem like Britney Spears needs to be in a conservative. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make it seem like she needs to be back in her conservatorship. But that woman is not doing nothing to nobody. She's in her living room dancing around. Okay. And all these blogs that want to, you know, take what she's doing on, first of all, you're going to her social media. She's not, she doesn't work for the Shade Room. She doesn't work for any of these other bloggers. She's, you know what I'm saying? She's not sending you guys this stuff for you guys to post. You guys are going on her page, taking something that she's posting for her people that are following her, that support her, and you're putting it on a bigger, you know, like even more bigger platform with even more followers so you can get negative comments, so you can get hate off of what she's doing. It's just, it's disgusting. If you don't like Britney Spears, if you don't like the way she dances, if you don't like the way she looks, stay off of her page. It's simple as that. Same thing with Madonna. Leave her alone. Stay off of their page. <laughs> like, social media, you know, they're posting what they want to post for their followers, for the people that support them. I don't get it. What's hard to understand? Like, like oh my God. So anyways... Continuing on, she said that she has lost, you know, faith in God and she gets nervous around people and she's given up on people. 
in a nutshell. So Britney Spears is like done with people. She's done with being mistreated and uh, I just, I hope Britney Spears, you know, just, uh, I hope she gets, you know, back to feeling like herself again, which is going to be probably many, many years it's going to take it for her to feel like how she felt before pre-conservatorship. It's, I'm just happy she's free. And I'm happy she's expressing herself and she's letting this all out, you know. But moving on, J-Lo is on the cover of the Vogue December 2022 issue. Inside the issue in the interview, she dishes on her true love story and how her legal name with, um, well, well, I'm sorry, well, and how her legal name will be Mrs. Affleck. And she's proud of that, Okay. Uh, you know, anybody that knows the J-Lo and Ben Affleck story, they dated back in 2002, got back together in 2022, got married, had a big old reception now, all that, you know, did the big shebang, and now she wants to change her name to Mrs. Affleck. That's awesome. Not knocking that. But this is the real thing. The re- that's the, I wanted to bring that up because I don't know if anybody... I brought this up in one of my previous um, episodes where I said I was so happy that um, 21 Savage and Drake got the Vogue issue cover. You know, I was like freaking out about it. Come to find out, it was a fake. <laughs> Drake, it was part of their promotion for their um, newest album that just came out, Her Loss. Which is like, uh, you, do you know how awesome that would have been if it was real? I'm just thinking of like for the culture. I'm just thinking how awesome that would have been to put two you know, African-American rappers, male rappers on the cover of, I don't know. I'm just thinking of how like big that would be. That would have been awesome if it was a real cover, but it it sucks that it's not. But continuing on, Vogue owner, Condé Nast, that's the name of the Vogue owner, um, says Vogue and Anna Wintour have not endorsed her loss. That's Drake and 21 Savage's new album in any way. Okay, so they're suing Drake and 21 Savage they're suing them basically for the f- false cover, which this is crazy to me. But continuing on, um, they want the false Vogue cover shut down. They want it removed. I don't know how you're going to do that because I know it's like all over the Internet. But OK. And at least four million dollars in damages. OK, so um, Condé Nast, um, they are stating that they have asked multiple times for all promos using the Vogue um, name to be taken down. But nothing's been done. Uh, the lawsuit states that the rappers falsely promoted the Vogue cover on social media and put up posters of the cover in major cities. So, like, this was part of their promote. They used it as, like, I mean, as you can, that's a big deal. Like, being on the cover of Vogue is a big deal for anyone, period. Like, everybody, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say, I don't want to say everybody, because not everybody is, like, into Vogue. Not everybody high. Not everybody holds Vogue that high, you know, you know, in a value in their life. You know, there's some people that don't give a damn about Vogue, but I'm just saying for the culture, that cover was a big deal to me. Like it made me very hyped and happy. I even text my mom and I was like, mom, do you see this? Do you see how freaking cool this is? But I'm just saying like, I see why Vogue would be like, okay, so you used us basically for clout you used us to make you you look a little bit better you know by saying that we gave you a cover when that's not true so i just don't get 
I mean, maybe they feel like the Drake and 21 Savage brand does not go with the Vogue brand. I don't know. I'm not in the owner's head. I have no idea. But this is what the lawsuit is stating. Um, like I said, um, they're saying they're also claiming that Drake and 21 Savage's teams, um, they sent out an email blast, an email blast about celebrating Drake's Vogue cover. And they claim replicas were handed out by their street team. Now, the crazy thing is I saw this. I saw this um, online and they actually handed out like full on Vogue magazine. Like it looks glossy. It looks real. It looks like a real like Drake and 21 Savage spent like a pretty penny to get like a few copies made of a, like a high-end glossy cover of Vogue and like the pages and stuff. Like it, it looked legit. Like I'm dead, dead serious when I saw this online. I'm like, are you serious? So you had to spend some money to do that. Um, obviously the owner of Vogue, it feels like they're not on brand with Vogue and um, they're not filling this cover. They want it, you know, <laughs> I have an idea of why, but I'm gonna keep that to myself. Um, because it's not accurate. We don't know exactly why. Um, but I will be following this story. I want to continue and see, you know, where it's going to go, or if they're going to settle, if it's going to be thrown out. I, I just want to see, you know, because from what I'm hearing, um, Drake and 21 Savage, they, they think it, they thought it was a joke, the lawsuit. They thought it was, it's funny. They're kind of confused as to why they're even getting, um, a lawsuit, uh, for just, you know, a false cover. But, I mean, I at the same time playing devil's advocate once advocate once again, I can see how, um, you know, Vogue feels they use them, you know, to to make themselves look bigger, you know, to make as part of their promotion, you know, it probably made some people buy their CD like, oh my God, they got the Vogue cover, let's celebrate by buying their album. I don't know, but they obviously feel like they are owed four million dollars. <laughs> okay, moving on to the next story. Uh, Jennifer Aniston, she covers Allure Magazine's December 2022 issue wearing a 1996 spring Chanel micro bikini top looking fabulous at 53 might might I had I have to put up you know aside Jennifer Aniston's my girl y'all can say whatever y'all want to say the little you know yeah Sneaky Minaj did like an iconic line about I'm Angelina you're Jennifer I don't care about that line Jennifer Aniston is still um you know, she's still that girl. She's still an icon, whatever. But anyways, in the article, um, they're basically celebrating her being a beloved figure in American pop culture for over 30 years, which is which is true. This is like so accurate because she was known in the 90s. If you watched Friends or if you watched any movie she's been in, um, Jennifer Aniston had this thing, you know, she was known as the girl next door. Like we all saw her as the girl next door. Beautiful woman. Um, so the interviewer, the, the journalist that interviewed her um, for the magazine, uh, he decided to read her a thought, quote unquote thought, um, a fellow journal, journalist had on Jennifer Aniston, which is, I had to read this to you guys because when I read this, I was like, oh my God. So um, the, gener the the journalist that was interviewing her for Allure, Allure, Allure magazine <laughs> decided to read her what the other journalist, um, their thought about Jennifer Aniston. So here, here it is, quote unquote. It says, no one's ever going to be famous the way she is. That kind of mass fame phenomenon burning so bright for so long, it's just not achievable today. 
She's like a silent film star among a generation of TikTok dipshits. That's deep. Now, like I said earlier, side note, you remember how I said time repeats itself? That's what I feel like we're going through right now. Now, as far as, because that line right there, she's like a silent film star among a generation of TikTok dipshits. Now, if you guys, for people that don't know out there, Hollywood is like, hold on. I, I'm sorry. I have to, before I go on my rant, I have to like, you know, fact check myself a little bit. So, Hollywood is, here we go. Hollywood is like basically coming up on the like hundred year of it even existing. Hold on. Yeah, because um, the first sync sound musical film is the jazz singer in 1927. So yeah, it's like we're basically coming up on like almost like you know a hundred years of hollywood um you know the movies basically here in the, um, america so around the 1920s you know time there was a transition from when they were doing silent films to talking you know talking films and that's why that reference of i you know she's a silent film star amongst um, a generation of TikTok uh, dick, dipshits. Um, that's kind of what was happening at that time uh, in the 1920s, you know, like the late 1900, you know, like from 1917 to like 19, mid 1920s, they were doing like a transition from silent film to talkie films, not a lot of people that were in the silent films made it, you know, in the in the transition because their voices sounded weird on screen or, the, you know, the studio didn't like the way they sounded. A whole number of reasons. But anyways, I feel like time is repeating itself. History is repeating itself. As it said in this quote, you know, amongst a generation of TikTok, because that's what's going on right now. Social media, TikTok is taking over. All our famous, you know, all our uh, famous people now for these Gen Z kids are influencers. They're not even like legit. They're like people that got a lot of followers on a social media platform. And then from there, you know, got agents and all this, you know, accommodations to, you know, you know, set foot in Hollywood or start doing things in Hollywood. That's really what it is now. So, after they read that, you know, the interviewer uh, read that quote too, Aniston, she basically, <laughs> um, she said, she responded, she said she feels like Hollywood is dying. She said there are no, um, there are no more movie stars. Um, there's no more glamour. Even the Oscar parties used to be so fun. And then she continues on saying she hates social media. She's no good at it. And, um, she says in the article, she says that the ship has sailed on having children and that she has zero regret regrets. Um, it was a good article. You guys have to really read it. It was deep. She went there. She she revealed a lot, a lot that we did not know, like for the first time. Um, her journey with IVS and trying to get pregnant, um, IVS, IVF and trying to get pregnant. 
Um, it was a really good conversation, but shout out to Jennifer Aniston for looking amazing, doing your thing, girl, and continuing on with your career because she, she as I'm currently, she's filming um, season three of the morning show, that Apple TV show that she has, and then she's doing something else. Like, she's busy. You know, she, she, she's still booked and busy. It's like, you don't have to worry about Jennifer Aniston, okay? I just wanted to shout her out because um, the pictures were beautiful and the article was great. Make sure, If you want to read it, check it out. But just wanted to give you guys a little um, excerpt from that magazine and how good the article was. But anyways, moving on. Um, the Hollywood Reporter reports Snoop Dogg's biopic is in the works at Universal with director John, I mean, sorry, Alan Hughes and Wakanda Forever writer Joe Robert Cole. Okay, so um, this will be the first film for um, Snoop Dogg's Death Row uh, Pictures Production Company that he has. And Alan Hughes is one of the uh, Hughes brothers, famously the directors, the Hughes brothers, that um, they are responsible for classics like uh, Menace to Society and Dead Presidents. That's who's going to be directing the film. Um, Alan Hughes, one of the Hughes brothers. So it's going to be good. This sounds like a good, you know, team that's, that, that, that they've put together for Snoop's uh, biopic. And then it says here, um, Snoop will um, be heavily involved with the project. Um, the film will incorporate uh, his music from his past catalog. So, you know, because he, um, he has his masters, I believe. Snoop has his masters, so he he's able to do that. He's a boss, so... You're going to be hearing his music, which would make it would only make sense to play Snoop Dogg's music in his own biopic. Um, But to remind people out there, Universal, they're also responsible for um, the previously released Straight Outta Compton, which came out in 2015. Um, That movie was good. Straight Outta Compton was good. And I believe that the Snoop Dogg, if it's if it's told the right way, which I think it will be, um, it will be good. But um, Straight Outta Compton left out a lot. That's all I'm going to say. There's a lot of things that was not addressed, especially pertaining to Dr. Dre. But, you know, it's his movie, so I'm, I'm sure he wanted to cut out some things. But um, I hope, you know, Snoop Dogg is transparent, which I'm pro- he's probably not going to be, you know, transparent enough to go there. But um, it, I'm, I'm willing to check it out, you know, because Snoop Dogg is an icon. He's a legend. He's definitely... Um, you have to respect him because, you know, he's still doing his thing to this day. And, you know, he came out in like the early 90s. So, you know, it, it takes a lot to have longevity in this music business because, you know, one day you're hot and one day you're not. You know, we see it happen with so many people. So to be one of the people that is still doing, you know, their thing and branching off in different areas and starting their own businesses. You know, he has a cookbook out. He, you know, he's doing his thing. So um, it's going to be exciting to see him do a movie about his life and just see the history and see um, where he was when there, you know, because you got to remember, he was a part of Death Row Records. So he was there amongst all that, you know, um, East Coast, West Coast drama with Puffy and Biggie and Pac and Suge, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see um, him tell himself, you know, where he was or what what side he was in, you know, what role did he play when he was had to go through that turmoil that the, you know, that they all went through um, with that East Coast, West Coast drama. So I'm really excited to see, you know, what they do with that movie. And the Hughes, you know, Alan Hughes, part of the Hughes brothers, they're awesome. Their movies are awesome. 
So I'm, I'm excited. Uh, moving on, Nicki Minaj, she, co- um, she covers the ID magazine, and she talks to JT um, from the City Girls on three-way, on a three-way, well, she talks to her on a three-way call for the interview in the magazine. So um, in the article, Nicki says that she knew Super Freaky Girl would make people happy. Everything that feels nostalgic is making people feel better right now because of the previous couple of years. She's um, speaking about, she's, she's pertaining to COVID when we were locked down on two years. And as far as the Super Freaky Girl Queen mix, she says that she wanted to hear girls rap again, like just rap. Um, Nikki points out how she was criticized for rapping over pop beats, but now all female rappers are doing the same thing, but no one is getting criticized for it, which is very true. Um, she continues on. She says that she names Foxy Brown, Lil Wayne, Jay-Z, and Rick Ross as her biggest inspirations for her rap style. She names Lauren, Lauren Hill um, as her, her idol. And she says that her words got her through high school, which was an emotional roller coaster for her. Um, Nikki says that she is outspoken now because people have lied about her and she didn't respond. And she continues on saying um, the hip hop community praised so many other people for speaking up for themselves. But for some reason, they seem to have an issue when she does it. Correct. Very correct. Um, she also says once she realized that, you know, that double, double standard, she decided not to give a shit anymore. And if she never raps again, she will still leave this earth, this earth as an icon, which is completely true. Um, she's paid her dues. That's what she said. Um, she says that the filth, uh, her fifth album will be out soon. She's not going to say when, you know, because ops are watching. Everybody wants to watch what Nikki is doing. <laughs> and um, you definitely... You know, reading the interview, you definitely can tell that Nikki and JT have a bond because um, Nikki's been helping her on her freestyles. Like you could tell she's helping her with her craft. She's really taken JT under her wing. And I think it's a Sagittarius thing because they're both Sagittarius. So they're bonding. I think that's what the bond is over. And then on top of that, probably their love for rap. She's just trying to, you know, which is an awesome coach to have. So big ups to you, JT. You have an awesome freaking coach to to help you um, perfect your your craft if if you're taking it that seriously. Um, so great interview, great pictures. Just wanted to give you guys some excerpts from that magazine um, cover. Moving on, this week marks 25 years of Destiny's Child's um, released of, of Destiny's Child releasing. Their debut single, No, 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 that's 25 years of Beyonce in the industry. I just had to throw that out there because I cannot believe it's been 25 years. Okay, now that I'm thinking about it, okay, I can't believe <laughs> it's been 25 years because No, 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 the part, that that version with Wyclef Jean that came, that came out, yeah, it's been a minute since I even heard that song. But anyways, moving on to the next topic. Page 6 reports selling Tampa is canceled. And the cast blames racism for decision. Okay, um, Netflix has chosen not to renew uh, Selling Tampa. That's the series where they're selling uh, properties um, in Tampa, Florida. And it was majority of women of color that were on the cast. It, well, it was women of color. The entire cast was women of color, honestly. Um, but um, Netflix is saying that they have not chosen to renew the series for a second season. Uh, members of the cast... Um, say that when the show, you know, when TV shows show black women bickering, fighting, and name calling, 
they get a season two and three. But that was not displayed on the show, which it was not. It was it was great. It was I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was a good show to me. Um, the show premiered in December 2021. The cast was entirely women of color, like I said before. Um, the ladies say they were never. Um, sorry, the ladies say they were left wondering for nearly a year whether they would be picked up for a second season, and that they were given the runaround. Okay, I. You know, with Netflix's history, I mean, as far as the biggest for for this, this screams like when Monique went through what she went through with them and come to fast forward to now, they've settled her in Netflix and she's about to have a special come out on them. So she was right in the end. She was not lying about um, them discriminating. We'll just put it that way. Now, continuing on. I'm sorry. Uh, continuing on, the creator, Adam DeVello, he broke the news to them last week on a Zoom call. Um, the cast was not given much of an ex um, explanation. Um, the decision was made related to numbers, but they were never given uh, additional information, like uh, were the numbers not met? You know, it just said all they were told was that uh, the decision was made related to numbers. Okay. So Selling Tampa was the number one show in the U.S. on Netflix within 24 hours after its release. I do remember that. And then Selling Sunset, these are the sister shows of Selling Tampa. Selling Sunset and Selling the O.C. both have predominantly white casts. If you have seen those, I'm sure you've seen Selling Sunset. It's like one of Netflix's biggest um, shows. Uh, selling sunset, but um, I have not seen selling the sell the selling the OC, but um, both of the cast of those shows are predominantly white. Like I was saying, um, there are claims that Develo he never visited the Selling Tampa cast on set as he has done with both of the other shows. Sources say producers considered a spinoff in Miami, a pilot featuring Latin and Black men and women, was filmed but not picked up. Netflix allegedly, um, they're allegedly saying that they quote unquote want model-like people who are quote unquote wealthy, quote unquote young, and quote unquote fit. Fit. So they're, okay, so they're alleging that Netflix wants model-like people who are wealthy, young, and fit for the new show um, that they're working on currently, which I'm assuming is another real, real estate show like um, Selling Tampa, Selling uh, the OC, and Selling Sunset. Um, I mean, it sucks that they canceled the second season. I thought it was good enough for a second season. I would have enjoyed to see a second season of Selling Tampa, but um, it's got the axe, and you know once you know Netflix makes their decision, it's like the show's gone, so... Um, it sucks. Uh, I feel so bad for the ladies because it was a good cast and it was a good show. It was entertaining, um, even though they didn't fight and you know argue like that. It was. It still was entertaining. It was entertaining to see you know how each one of them prepared a house or showed a house or you know what. It it just it was good. It was good enough to for a second season. I, I wish they would have gave him a chance. But moving on, um, the New York Post reports Henry Winkler. Um, that's the Fonz, if you guys don't know. But um, he says he's a damn fool for turning down the role as Dan um, Danny Zuko in Greece. Okay, 
um, Winkler, he played Arthur Fonzarelli on Happy Days from 1974 to 1984. I did not know that show was on that long. It makes sense, though, because that show is iconic. I remember a lot of people watched that show. I remember they used to play it on Nick at Night on Nickelodeon, and me and my brother used to watch it. That's how I know about um, <laughs> Happy Days. We used to watch it, and it was actually a good show. I'm not even going to lie. So, um, and the Fonz was, like, it, it makes sense now. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, the Fonz, the Grease, it, it makes perfect sense that they would have asked him for that to be in that, you know, the lead in that movie. But anyways, um, Hint Winkler, the actor, he said while he was working on Happy Days, he was offered the lead role in Grease over John Travolta, but he turned it down out of fear of being typecast. I guess he felt like he didn't want to be, you know, um, the Fonz and Danny Zuko and every future, you know, movie, I guess. This is his words. Um, continuing on, um, he says that he's a damn fool for, you know, not taking the lead role. Uh, he says that he went home and had a Diet Coke. John Travolta, who has done the movie, goes home and buys a plane. <laughs> so many, John Travolta made a lot, which we, everybody knows, John Travolta made a lot of movie off of Grease, being the lead role in Grease. Um, but Grease, at that time, um, became the highest grossing musical film in history and in 1979 was the second best-selling album in the U.S. Um, during the film's run in theater, uh, hold on, sorry, during the film's run in theaters, it generated over $396 million worldwide. That movie is a hit. Everybody, I mean, I'm sure, I won't say Gen Z, but I'm sure every millennial has seen Grease. Come on now. I hope. <laughs> but it's a good movie. Um, it's a classic movie, man. That's a badass movie. But I'm not shocked that... I mean, I mean, I am shocked. I did not know that they offered the role to Henry Winkler over John Travolta. Low-key, kind of happy that John Travolta got the role. I mean, I think he was born to be Danny Zuko, um, if we're going to keep it real. Um, but Winkler did his thing with the Fonz, so he has that under his belt. And then on top of that, he went on to play numerous movie, you know, new, numerous movies, and he won two Golden Globes, so he you can't he had a great career too, um, but I'm sure he, like he said he looks back at that and he feels like he was a damn fool for turning it down, which is understandable because that movie was a massive success. All right, that was all the topics for this week. Make sure you subscribe, share, and like on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and YouTube. Make sure to follow the Cheston Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. A new episode will be uploaded next Tuesday. Thank you. Peace.